Welcome back to Between the Levees. Today is the first family affair I have had on the show here. We have uh, Chaps and Kempton Baldridge Jr. Uh, they have quite a history in the maritime industry, and I want to know a little bit more about it. Uh, Chaps and Kempton, thank you all for joining me. Thanks for having us. Before we get started, Chaps, you were mentioning to me that um, Turbo Hughes actually reads. Um <laughs> He yeah. he was the the connection to make this introduction with you. Uh, tell me about how you met him. Um, I I, I actually uh, I mean you hear Turbo before you actually see him in many instances. It's a um, it, it's a, a primal sound. You know, it's a, a, a unmistakable. Um, I was at the time uh, hopping from one vessel to another, and. Uh, uh, I think it was back in 2010, maybe 2011. And um, it, it, it Turbo had an opinion. I know that you find sh shocking, but he, and he wanted to register his opinion that he said, you know what you really should do. And I, you're, you're going to tell me. Um, and he, he said, uh, you know, if you, uh, you should get those books out there and, and have a little variety and, and, you know, maybe encourage the, these, uh, these young deckhands to, read something uh, that that doesn't have a centerfold in it. And uh, and I said, that's a that's really great. In fact, I was I was going there and then uh, he let me know the kinds of books that he enjoyed. And uh, it, uh, it, it was easy enough to uh, to set those aside. I mean, in other words, his his interests were naval history, maritime history, um, uh, American history and um, uh, he, uh, for some reason, the Harlequin romances didn't seem to enter, interest him much. Um, and, uh, we became, uh, uh, friends, uh, uh, and, uh, he, uh, 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 we've, we've remained friends. And, and, um, when this, when things, things go south, when things go bad on the river and you and I both know that, um, they can, they can be, be pretty stark. And, uh, so, uh, I take Turbo's calls um, any whenever they come in, and I've told him that he can call me at four in the morning to tell me that everything is just great. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm still waiting. So. Well, I hope one day, maybe about six thirty, he calls you with a "Hey, all is all is well." Right, right. But nonetheless, fill me in a bit on your childhood, where you grew up, what led you to ministry, and how you were first introduced to the mar maritime industry. Um, I think in the womb. Um, my, my father uh, was, uh, he, he was a mariner, uh, if not by disposition, certainly by, um, circumstances. And, uh, so in other words, uh, he was one of five, uh, children, uh, growing up in the depression and, um, being on a boat was the way that he could, um, uh, have a degree of independence and, he, uh, even as a teen, I think he saw himself uh, uh, seeing the world and uh, uh, and uh, not just adventure, but making a making a living um, at sea. And uh, when the President Roosevelt uh, announced that there was going to be a, a federal uh, merchant marine academy, uh, my father happened to have been, uh, it, it was the same time he was graduated class of 41 from Lower Marion High School in Philadelphia. And he, uh, he, um, 
he wanted to get in so badly that he actually uh, signed on um, after uh, he was graduated from high school. Um, he was actually working on a on an ice wagon, which is something uh, that we don't even have. But in other words, a horse drawn ice wagon bringing block ice out, and and he was studying uh, to take the exams, and then he went to uh, a prep school in Annapolis, Maryland, to prep to go to uh, the to take the academy exams and it must have worked because um uh december 6th 1941 uh dad and the the first class at, at king's point the united states merchant marine academy reported into fort schuyler uh which was then and now uh, the new york maritime academy uh, the oldest and the first maritime academy in the in the country and they were formed there in the in the uh, in fort at Fort Schuyler in the fortress, bitter cold day. Uh, and uh, for the next, um, uh, what was it, no, until January 18th, from December 6th, 41, until January 18th, they were there at Fort Schuyler. And uh, on the 18th, they were uh, awakened and uh, he and his classmates were put into longboats because the Throgs Neck Bridge wasn't built yet and taken across uh, Long Island Sound over to uh, the Walter P. Chrysler estate, and they formed up the very first class, class of 43, at the United States Merchant Marine Academy. Um, and uh, within January 18th, so uh, two and a half months later, um, uh, my father and all of his classmates uh, shipped out. So at the, at, at, as soon as March was over, uh, they began to be farmed out to um, different ships, uh, convoys. Uh, my, my father went to the SS uh, Santa Rosa, which later became the US uh, AT Santa Rosa. It was the flagship of the Grace Prudential Lines. Um, and uh, dad, uh, it, I mean, he, uh, this was the worst part of, this is 1942. Um, uh, the, uh, this was the worst year in terms of uh, shipping losses. And it was a formative experience for my dad. He lost um, uh, significantly 142 uh, of the cadets, the uh, cadet midshipmen at Kings Point um, were, were to die either by U-boats uh, uh, and mines and uh, other mishaps at sea. Um, and uh, when my father died um, at the age of 96, uh, three years ago, um, the very the, among the last conversations we had were his um, memories of those who didn't make it and um, and uh, remarking how um, how odd and unfair maybe that life was that um, he should get to live a long life and and so many of his classmates didn't so th that that was my dad, uh, Dick Baldridge. And so by the time I showed up in 1955, um, uh, everything that my father did, um, you know, I, I wanted to know what he was about and what he did. And um, so um, if the, the, my older brother and sister, you know, they, they had their own things. Um, but I, I, uh, I was drawn and I, and I would, and pester him until he would tell me 
uh, how he knew how he could look into a a, a dark a dark you know in, into the horizon there on Long Island Sound, and just by uh, he he could discern from the lights what was passing by, um, you know the the range lights and running lights and all, all of that, and um, it was. Uh, wizardry as far as I was concerned and I, I was hooked I, this is what I, I I I didn't want to be my father necessarily but I did want to measure up in his eyes um and and so and that was the modicum I uh, oddly enough Kings Point um I, I saw what the academic requirements were for Kings Point and I knew ooh, <laughs> you know that uh, but weirdly, I applied to the Naval Academy, and uh, the Naval Academy had seen my grades and and uh, told me uh, that you know go back and study harder. But in the meantime, uh, the Citadel um, uh, they saw my SATs and they uh, were happy to uh, admit me, and so that was my path uh, to uh, to get uh, to get where I thought I, I wanted to go. Um, and after I was at the Citadel, I uh, uh, enlisted in the Coast Guard, uh, Coast Guard Reserve, and um, that, that worked out very, very well for me. And um, uh, there we go. So that you know, my my uh, my time at sea um, began informally um, as a as a teen, but um, I began to pull in a paycheck uh, from my my time at, at See when I was uh, eighteen or nineteen, and what led you into ministry and eventually into the barge industry? <laughs> um, well, there, there's a saying that uh, uh, some of us entered the ministry because it was the last means by which God had to save us, um, and that there's a certain amount of truth to that. I um, I had a, a classmate who uh, said to me that. He, I was the last person he ever would have suspected, and I said, "No, you're not wrong." <laughs> yeah. uh, there, I, I don't know that I had any inclinations um, uh, to the ministry, but what I did have was a memory of um, how much I needed. Uh, I, I didn't see any chaplains when I was in the Coast Guard when I went out to sea. Uh, um, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, th through um, when I was at. Uh, uh, Cape May, the Coast Guard boot camp. Um, uh, I remember that the saying, "Oh, go see the chaplain about it," was really sort of a toss-off. Um, that that it was a it, dismissive, you know, do, uh, like a crying towel, and um, the, the it was evidently thought to be a, a sign of weakness. And there, frankly, weren't a lot of chaplains, so I had nothing on which to model uh, myself. But I also knew that. Um, uh, if there was a mistake to be made, I was going to make it. And so um, uh, later on, when I uh, matured uh, some somewhat, or at least I thought about maturing, um, uh, the idea of becoming a chaplain uh, be became uh, appealing to me. And if there was a way that I could um, uh, help uh, someone to, through um confusion through uh upset through isolation through um that i wanted to be able to do that and um uh, so i that's when i entered the ministry i was um, in my early 30s and um 
it, it wasn't easy, and the the the, minister, the, the process of discernment uh, wasn't made easy on me. Uh, 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 a bit like um, Annapolis uh, telling me that we've seen your grades, you know, uh, you know, here's your file. We won't be needing it. Uh, the first time I uh, sought to enter the ministry, uh, uh, the reception was not enthusiastic. Even my own mother didn't think I <laughs> I was cut out for that. I don't know what she thought I was going to be better at. Um, but uh, over time, um, it, it, uh, it, it resonated, and um, uh, the the whole idea of of helping someone through um, uh, not only difficulties but but the uh, the uh, being with people um, in the midst of um, uh, what life is throwing at you. And uh, I so I, I was a Navy chaplain uh, on active duty uh, for. A few years, and then uh, I had uh, actually reserve assignments that um, were with the Marine Corps, for example, that were, uh, uh, even though they were technically reserved, they, they were often life and death situations and very often dramatic uh, mid-air collisions and fatalities. And um, and this was, it was extremely rewarding. Um, we, in, I retired from the Navy um, uh, when I thought I'd topped out in '98, uh, and soon thereafter, our family moved overseas to Belgium, and uh, that's where uh, Kempton and his sister were were raised uh, from 1999 through 2010. And while there, uh, September 11th happened, and I uh, I couldn't help but see the um, uh, how important it was to have um, uh, someone who. Um, could uh, be there with you during uh, a time of confusion and anguish and grief and all of that. And so uh, even though I was there as the rector of uh, a, a, an Episcopal church, but largely an international church in Waterloo, Belgium, um, I spent a fair amount of time working with the uh, Americans at the NATO headquarters and, and um, the uh, that was indeed very satisfying. Um, and there, there was an opportunity that arose that I never foresaw uh, that came up um, in 2010. And even my bishop, my own bishop at the time said, ooh, that's a long shot. <laughs> you know, I, I wish you well, but boy, that's the, the competition for that is pretty stiff. And uh, I knew it was a long shot. I'm applying from Belgium for a position in Paducah um, and uh, they, I didn't know where Paducah was. Uh, and in fact, uh, one of our friends in Belgium uh, uh, assumed that we were talking about the uh, Paducah, which is a suburb of Colombo, Sri Lanka, different Paducah. So, um, but we, uh, we, we Seamus Church flew us uh, into the um, uh, into town. Uh, it, and uh, we, it, we, uh, we we resonated very much with uh, this, with uh, Paducah and the community, and I certainly knew about Siemens Church Institute. Um, that uh, it is a, a storied, uh, an epic organization. Um, I, I didn't imagine that I was worthy, but uh, I, uh, you know, paraphrasing Eleanor Roosevelt, I certainly wanted to give it my all to try to be.
And so for uh, uh, the next 12, 13 years, when they offered me the position, I'd gone from a dream job to a dream job. And um, um, the, the, I remember once the uh, HR director for Siemens Church asked me what I did for fun. And I said, I, I don't go to work. <laughs> Uh, you know, I and I, maybe that's why Turbo and I um, uh, became friends because uh, uh, I think he recognized that I loved what I did on the river and and uh, aboard ship uh, and aboard vessels uh, every bit every bit as much as as he did um, and uh, passion responds to passion so uh, that's a nutshell right there before we touch on your your experience with Siemens Church of course you mentioned Kempton and his his sister I think you mm -hmm. said yep were born and, and, and moved around a bit Kempton uh, you've been sitting there ever so quietly and patiently um fill me in on your upbringing overseas and and what led you to your career path now I mean you've heard my, my father's story so I mean and you've heard all that uh very deep-seated passion and, and, and interest and, um, you know, and his complete adoration and, and his adoration for his father, my, my grandfather. And uh, I think my father took that and, you know, on it. And we, uh, we spent our, uh, I spent my childhood building a lot of uh, ships and planes. And that was, you know, that was our father sometime, you know, launching model rockets and stuff. And so, uh, really not. I mean, yes, uh, being uh, uh, a Navy chaplain, uh, there there certainly was the influence. But I think the the bigger uh, picture was certainly just just tr things that move and fly and float, and not so much drive, admittedly, not so much NASCAR, but but rockets, uh, air, uh, airplanes, and, and and boats. And um, so you know, going through um, uh, my childhood i certainly was you know it would be navy one day and then for it was coast guard the next and then uh i, I think uh, i guess it was a, a matter of time before much like my you know uh, grandfather come full circle to back to the uh, arriving on the merchant marine um so i mean and certainly being raised overseas seeing the sort of there's a certain you know i went to an international school for all of middle and high school so the that um, global component that is inherent in just transportation in general. Uh, I, I mean, I, I I had that too. I you know uh, you know o over there was never over there. It was right in front of me. We had you know things like International Day and you know one. I remember in in December we would have things. We we, we had a Santa Lucia celebration where. All the people, all the classmates of Scandinavian origin would go through the halls singing, you know, Santa Lucia. So it, it, it was very, the international component of uh, maritime transportation was always very um, real to me. So, um, so there, there's, so there's that. That said, I, you know, I went, I did my undergraduate at Johns Hopkins where I, um, uh, studied history but every single class that had a term paper or a uh, 
you know, some sort of final project, I would find a way of relating that to um, either the military or the, or the maritime field. So I remember writing about, um, I took a class called Archaeology of Food, and I just wrote about what were the Roman soldiers eating and, and, and sailors eating. So, you know, not, you know, not, not a stretch, just sort of very, almost very hyper-specific. I, I did my sophomore thesis paper about uh, the transformation of the Navy from the fall of Saigon to the bombing of Libya. So between the, the, the Ford administration to um, Reagan's second term. Um, and then I did my uh, senior thesis about Guadalcanal. Um, so yeah, I guess certainly a, uh, a little more of the military heavy bent, but uh, I, and perhaps maybe my uh, seeing my dad, uh, my, my dad's little epiphany about the, the larger uh, maritime, the, the, the Western rivers. Um, so uh, it was, was thought provoking, I think for myself. So um, after I, uh, uh, worked for a not-for-profit overseas in the Marshall Islands, where, where I taught English, math, and science. Um, in sort of figuring out what my next move would be, uh, while uh, living uh, with my parents in Paducah, I um, applied and attended uh, Great Lakes Maritime Academy, where um, I got my third mate's license and uh, initially started sailing out of the uh, Union Hall on Great Lakes freighters, which is you know, with the exception of Gordon Lightfoot, which I guess made a national, you know, the Edmund Fitzgerald, um, is also a thing that growing up overseas and uh, I hadn't really thought about. But the every every corner of the world uh, has a regional. There's a regional maritime um, culture to it that sometimes it gets exported, sometimes it doesn't. And uh, to be part of the Great Lakes. Um, environment was was great. I, I, I sailed a second mate on the uh, SS Badger for three seasons. Um, you know, the, the, one of the last uh, coal-fired uh, vessels in the U.S. fleet. Um, and now I'm learning about the ins and outs of uh, offshore of the uh, Gulf of the offshore world and uh, and the Gulf of Mexico, and you know, uh, basically being the uh, an, a, an equipment vessel for uh, uh, tankers doing uh, doing lightering. Um, so that's sort of the long and short of my own uh, history in the maritime field. Well, I admittedly know very little to nothing, uh, probably more like nothing, about the Great Lakes. I've been right outside New Orleans, near Baton Rouge my entire life. Uh, tell me what it was you were doing on the Badger. So um, it, it's funny. So I uh, I was I, I was taking classes down um, at the Star Center, uh, the, the AMO's primary uh, uh, training facility, and I uh, met uh, one of the mates on the who was working on the Badger, and he said, "Hey, we're in the we're actually in the market for a, a third night." And I thought, "Okay, great." Um, so I applied, and um, as I learned halfway through that first season. Uh, uh, um, a friend of mine, Aaron Personaire, um, he was on his way um, out because he was he got a job up in Isle Royale, which is in Lake Superior, and and uh, really has a whole other that's a whole other conversation. Really cool history to to that place. 
Um, so uh, I sailed for a couple months uh, as, as third mate. And then when Aaron left, I got sort of thrust into the role as second mate. Um, my primary job was navigating at least uh, halfway across the lake, um, thereabouts, and then unloading uh, uh, cars. The, the first mate uh, would load the uh, cars and trucks and passengers in Ludington, Michigan, and he'd take uh, first half uh, or so, um, do, do the crossing, and then just shy of Manitowoc, Wisconsin, uh, I would uh, uh, take over and then and then subsequently pass it on to the captain as we docked, and then I would supervise unloading uh, the the vessel, and then uh, as soon as everyone's clear, um, and if customer service was ready, which usually they were, uh, for for turnaround, um, then we'd just do it all over again for uh, loading uh, cars and trucks and oversized vehicles and passengers uh, for the trip back from Manitowoc, Wisconsin, back to Ludington. So it was something that uh, admittedly did, did not come naturally. Like there's no, it, it, in theory, there's no right or wrong way to load the Badger. Um, I should probably uh, fully admit that uh, I think I calculated my success rate of leaving on time and it was about 70%, not that great. Um, it's a historic, it's it's a converted railroad car ferry that's now doing cars and trucks. Um, so it, it's, it, it is sort of the scenic route of crossing Lake Michigan. Um, but yeah, it was very interesting because we, they added an upper deck, uh, uh to, uh, to it as well for driving. We have, we have car runners, uh, uh, drive, we would have assigned drivers, you know, um, mostly kids, honestly, <laughs> middle, uh, you know, or not middle school, geez, no, high school and uh, early 20s uh, uh, for the most part. And they would drive it, just run back and forth driving the cars. And we have uh, AVs and deckhands directing them of where to go and where, where to fill up what, what section of the, the cargo deck to uh, uh, park the, the cars. Um, so it's, it's pretty incredible the conversion that, that's made. This is after all of Ethel. It was built in 1952, and for the for the Chesapeake and Ohio uh, for you know Chesapeake systems. And uh, in fact, we have we still there, there were still the rails on, on the uh, car deck from that era, uh, and and for it to now be converting, um, for for it to be now carrying cars and trucks and windmill components oversized vehicles where we're all you know and those were those, those would often be the last ones on and the first ones off because they would just be there at the end um it's it's pretty remarkable uh it, the, it speaks to uh an uh an, uh, maybe uh, an understated american tradition certainly uh, uh, or maritime tra uh, tradition of being able to convert vessels it, it, you know uh, vessels that are built for one uh, for one uh, thing, yeah. If you if you with, with the right naval architects with the right design, can do a lot of other things. Um, I'm, uh, you know, you think about the escort carriers in World War II, the the light carriers in World War II that were these. I mean, these are carriers built on light cruiser hulls or tanker hulls. So. Um, in fact, on the Great Lakes as well, there are there's a converted uh, mm -hmm. uh, Lee H. Trigurtha is a converted 
tanker that's now carrying iron ore. So, you know, imagination, it's, uh, you know, thinking creatively, all that fun stuff that uh, we're raised with on PBS. It, it, can, it can go far in the maritime field. Now, was this ferry service uh, primarily passenger or industrial or um, uh, to tourism? All of the above, honestly. Um, it, it, you have a lot of folks who would do it. it you know, it's, it's on a lot of lists for things you must do in the state of Michigan um, or, or Wisconsin. And there's and there's, that's absolutely true. So it, it's it's a uh, national historic landmark. Um, it is technically an extension of U.S. Route 10. Right. Um, so that's pretty wild. But yeah, we do. So we'll have, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's scenic. I, I know for a fact that there are some uh, relationships that have been formed where the girl is living in Wisconsin and the guy's living in Michigan. So <laughs> I'm still waiting for John Cougar Mellencamp to write the song about that uh, romance. But, um, and like I said, we, we would still carry, uh, windmill parts. Um, we, or, uh, would, the Amish would uh, would mm -hmm. bring some of their sheep on board. Uh, we would have some of our ABs who were forklift trained would be carrying apples from one state to the other, or cherries. I remember uh, crates of cherries going over once. Um, so let's see, livestock as well. I know this past summer, because I still keep in touch with uh, uh, folks there, that they did the uh, Budweiser Clydesdale. So you know, I mean, what's more American than that? Uh, and yeah, so the tourism, there's a tourism component. There's a practical component. I know that the um, they do operate seasonally. So it is something that operates from uh, more or less from April to October. So outside those months, uh, semi-trucks need to find another route, and they do. Um, but still, you know, six months out of the year ain't bad for uh, for uh, avoiding Chicago, which is effectively what you know, the incentive to take the badger. Um, so yeah, it's it's a, it's it's really all of the above. Then they do doubles, which uh, because of the pandemic, uh, in my second and third season we didn't do doubles, but my first season we did, and primarily the midnight crossing. Uh, uh, the, or the night, the evening and midnight crossing, either um, from Ludington or from Transwalk, uh, would be a little more commercial heavy. But that said, you would still have passengers who just, uh, you know, wanted to, uh, in, in, you know, enjoy the, the the night. I mean, the the star. You got people just uh, ride it for stargazing because it's pretty clear there up in you know in the middle of Lake Michigan. So. What were the biggest challenges you faced at the helm of, of such a vessel? And uh, are there any uh, interesting or funny stories about things you've seen out there on that uh, on that lake? Well, I think the biggest thing is it's twin screw um, and single rudder. So when we flip around in the harbors of either Ludington or Manitowoc, the twisting that has to, oh, and no bow thruster. So the twisting that has to occur is truly remarkable and uh i i was fortunate to sail with a captain who 
just it was like the back of his hand there you know there was one time with heavy winds that it was just it, it was just damn near impossible and we were probably um but maintain it we managed to maintain our position there off you know close to the dock for an hour and a half trying not to drift into the mud and successfully doing so but it was something it was it was very um wearing on 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 the captain's patients and on, you know i was just i was like you need help he's like no i remember at one point in that hour and a half he just stepped back and just put he was like okay here we go you know you just sort of try try again um so once again that's something that from the 19 you know a relic of the 1950s um not to mention the engineering side of it which i can't really speak to but uh there were times that you know, this is a vessel that had water tenders and firemen. So uh, there were times that I would be on the, the, up in the pilot house and uh, I would get a, a call, uh, someone screaming from the engine room saying like, yeah, we're going to need to reduce RPM. Just, uh, I'll figure it out. I was like, okay. So I just hang up the sound powered phone and we'd slow down for a bit. And, you know, if, if you know, we'd have to, let passengers know, hey, start, you know, sorry about it. We're doing what, and you know, you always run into passengers. I, I've ne I never understood. We would have some passengers who are clearly on their way to a business meeting. Like, so you took a coal-powered, you, you took something that's from the middle of the 20th century. We're like nearly a quarter of the way in the 21st. How? Why did you think this would work? Come here <laughs> to the sites. Come here for the history. Don't come here for, you know, because you're a, a very important business person. I don't know. And it's, that's just my opinion. <laughs> but uh, and in terms of funny stories, I mean, boy, do you, I mean, besides the, your standard fare, because we would serve alcohol on board. So, of course, you have some passengers, you know, ma'am, this is not a top. Please put a top on. Please, no, no, top is <laughs> um, There was one man at, I, he looked so much like Robin Williams, and not to get—I'm not going to go into conspiratorial thing—but the wheelsman and I just spent the four hours crossing, just you know, because and also he was staring right at us in front because you can see the front, uh, the the, uh, the the sort of the, the, the bow where everyone every everyone's just sort of sitting out on lawn chairs, and this guy was just staring right at us for a good four hours, and he looked like Robin Williams, and I just. I don't know. Is that also maybe a reflection of, you know, when you're steering effectively a single course for four hours, you know, yeah, you're looking, if nothing's on the scope and nothing's on the horizon, you look for Robin Williams. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, the, you know, things like that, it goes without saying, and I don't know uh, what the, what's the right or wrong way. I, I, not to, I know that COVID era stuff is can get political, but like, of course there were, um, we, we did our best to sort of maintain COVID protocols, but uh, when passengers didn't and, and, and um, you know, our, you don't really know how to react there. So we would run into some issues, uh, nothing, you know, crazy, but just mask wearing and photographers and, you know, look at this person. What do you want us to do? Tell, tell the sir, put on a mask. You want me to hold him down for you? I mean, 
of course, we ran into those sort of things. Um, the pet policy <laughs> was always uh, interesting where, it, you know, um, what is it, the uh, ADA regulations and um, folks and, and, and the status of an emotional support animal. Um, I, 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 you know, the, the highs and lows of uh, passenger vessel uh, work is, you know, we could, every, everyone uh, in the American fleet, because it's, uh, it's not, they're not a whole lot of American flag passenger vessels, but the ones that do exist, yeah, we probably all could sit around, you know, you know, with a few beers and really relate to each other because it's 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 a lot. It's um, you are it's it's it amounts to floating hotels. It's um, it's 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 interesting. So, if I found that anything in my time in the barge industry, it's that boats and barges are a whole lot easier to talk to than people. So I can only imagine dealing <laughs> with a. A, a boat full of passengers, but uh, is this current role offshore in the Gulf? Is it was it your next position? Um, I, I briefly took a uh, break uh, to work in a uh, uh, shoreside uh, position, and then uh, and uh, then realized that I kind I uh, just because I, I I recently gotten engaged, and I thought, oh well, now it's time to hang up the hat, and realized that you know it wasn't really. Uh, quite a good fit so I, I returned to sailing uh, uh shortly thereafter and um so i've been to the 18 hour for a little uh, over a year um yeah you learn a lot the, the short side of things the 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 uh relationship between uh vessels and shoreside personnel is um it's it's interesting um uh I, 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 all my thoughts on that are probably a little half baked, but uh, the relationship between the two, because ultimately shoreside personnel are sort of the go between, ultimately between, uh, uh, between you know, shareholders and stuff who really don't know about the um, trials that mariners face. Could it be better? Should it be better? Yes. Um, I don't have a, but I don't have a solution to that. Uh, but I realized in, in my seven months uh, working shoreside, just the just how deep uh, and how and and the and how much of a conversation needs to occur would, would and 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 it's and in fairness that you see uh, some uh, editorials and articles online from uh, shipping across uh, from global shipping. Uh, so I know that that conversation is happening, but. Um, there's there's still work to be done, but yes. Uh, so after my little year off of uh, of sailing, I, re I returned, uh, um, and now I've been uh, at AET for a little over a year. So, well, it sounds like this role is a little bit different than what you do on the Great Lakes. Uh, what does a day in the life out there on watch look like? So the best part, uh, I'll, I'll say, working on an offshore supply vessel because we're just. Uh, um, you know, we're under, uh, we're around 500 tons or so. So it's only seven, we only have a crew of seven. So uh, I like to say there's no room for egos. You know, we've, we've got a captain, two mates, um, two ABs, uh, a chief, and an oiler. And 
Yep, that's it. So we were we we haul uh, fenders and and hoses and wire tails, as well as uh, we can hold up we have two more masters and two more master assistants. Um, we 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 just carry equipment so that uh, and then go up alongside tankers, deploy the uh, deploy the uh, more master and the assistant. You know, one to each to the uh, ship to be lightered and the service ship. Um, deploy the equipment, um, and then the Warren Master and the uh, Warren Master Assistant will will do their thing. We'll uh, uh, cruise uh, and escort, uh, make sure that no fishing vessels get in the way, um, and they just sort of they make their fuel transfer, and that's pretty much that's 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 uh, lightering uh, lightering support in a nutshell. Um, it's what's nice about it is that the traditional, you know, four on eight off in terms of watches. Um, if we'll, we'll do that from time to time, if we're uh, uh, transferring, if we're going from uh, the Galveston lightering area to Corpus Christi um, lightering area, but otherwise, it's 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 a lot more of a of a sort of a teamwork and sort of you know a tag team environment between the two mates and the captain. Of just okay, I'll do this if you want to get some sleep later and stuff. So that that the balance is um, uh, a lot more pragmatic, which um, is, is there's some I, 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 there's some interest. It's I, there, there's some value in that. Um, it, it does make a sort of friend. It's it's less rigid. It's more. Uh, it's not. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I guess I see how that can be both ways. So you know, nothing being official. But yeah, you, you know, if you're with the right crew, which you know, so far I, I've been with some of some great uh, uh, crew members, um, you just sort of you're, we're there to get the job done. Um, and the rotation of 28 on, 28 off uh, is is a nice balance. Um, the food budget's great. We have a huge walk-in freezer and walk-in fridge. No official cook, so. Hopefully, some one of the ABs or uh, or mates or chief engineers is a good cook, and I, I've lucked out uh, again in that respect. Um, but it's just sort of it it, it it's it just it, the the whole environment um, is just feels very straightforward and balanced in the best uh, way. So, uh, and it's you know it's 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 interesting. It's you know small small vessels like that in the in the Gulf, especially this time of year. Yeah, it gets a little stormy, and yeah, our the hull is shaped like a watermelon. So, you know, <laughs> you, you think, make sure everything is secure. But um, you know, but uh, it's uh, it, yeah, it's just straight, straightforward and, and and fair. Which you know, what more could you ask for, right? Absolutely, and I've heard a lot recently that uh, how important the food is out there on these vessels. And uh, how good food will sure make a trip a lot easier. But um, anyway, switching back, chaps, you mentioned when Kempton sat down mm -hmm. that there is an abundance of history behind his head. Yes. I don't yeah. know if if you, Kempton, can, if you have to, can you pick the laptop up and show us around? But if y'all don't mind, walk me through that history. Good choice. <laughs> okay, so... Okay, there's Dad <laughs> with his sailor suit at an appropriate age. 
<laughs> and I don't know. There's the poster child for a box for a Cracker Jack box, because Dad was way too old to be dressing in his sailor suit. But hey, he liked it. You know, good for him. I was a sea cadet. Okay. I, I, I'm sure you got, uh, yeah, uh, you still look like you were on the cover of a, of Cracker Jacks, on, <laughs> on a box of Cracker Jacks. Um, so this is probably, uh, let's see here, okay, um, there is the man uh, second, let me see what I'm doing there, okay, so the man second from the, I don't know what it's inverted, the guy with his, uh, here, let me, this gentleman here, hold on. That is, uh, am I pointing right, Dad? Yep. Just, yeah. Yeah. That's Moby. That's uh, my, uh, that's uh, uh, Dixon Baldridge. Um, and you can see Merchant Marine Academy, even in the 40s. That's, I don't know what vessel they're on, Dad, but. It's the, uh, uh, gosh, the, uh, it was a training vessel for the King's Point. Okay. Um, yeah, having a good old time. Uh, and then we've got the, the, the married pictures. So there's dad and uh, my mom on the deck of the Intrepid on during dad's uh, commissioning um, into the Navy in 1984. And then this is, uh, let me maybe pan back. Uh, sorry about the reflection. That's... Uh, Dixon and uh, and Edie Baldridge, uh, my dad's parents, and then the sort of other my, on on my mom's side. Uh, well, that really that reflection is not great, but is what it is. That's uh, uh, Charles P. Curtis and Anne Semler Curtis. He also served in World War II in the Navy uh, aboard the USS Ranger, the Santa Fe, and the USS California, and um, was a survivor of uh, of the kamikaze attack that the California endured off Lingayen Gulf in January 45. Um, so there's that element as well. I mean, he did, Navy wasn't his whole life. It was just, you know, he just did his part in the war like many others. Um, he, uh, he later became uh, a pediatrician. Um, my dad's pediatrician. So my dad knew his father-in-law before he met his wife, which is speaks to that Norman Rockwell, America, I guess, of Fairfield, Connecticut. Um, so, yeah, that's that's sort of another element of the uh, maritime field in our family that um, I know Dad, you know, talks about. He, uh, but well, he sailed on the SS Hope, for example. Yes, he did that. Um, you know, but that was more as a that was as a pediatrician. He was a gunnery officer mm -hmm. um, on the on the Ranger and uh, Santa Fe and um, the California. So, yeah, uh, thing, things that float have a very strong heritage in in this household. Well, chaps, anything behind his head? Any other? interesting points uh, of history that you'd like to, to share with the audience here? Well, there's a, there's another uh, photograph um, that uh, might be, look, be familiar to your, your viewers. Um, uh, it was actually repeated in the newspaper. It's 
uh, my, uh, my return uh, from uh, the Gulf War. And uh, it's uh, on the on the pier at in Norfolk. Uh, I rode back on the uh, guided missile cruiser, the uh, USS Thomas S. Gates, and uh, I I had left shortly after uh, our daughter Grace was born, and um, uh, to, to when you're being reunited with family um, after uh, dramatic dramatic times. Um, uh, that that's something again. It's re really fairly un universal. Whether you're gone for 28 days or uh, you know 28 months, um, uh, being reunited with family. Uh, that Kent and I were joking around about this uh, before the, the the interview. The you know the two best days in a in a mariner's life are the the day you leave and the day you come back. Often, um, and uh, uh, when uh, Isabel and I were first married, uh, I, she, Isabel indulged me and, and made one of my dreams or my fantasies come true when she met my ship. I, I was, uh, at the time, I, I was um, working on getting qualified as an officer of the deck on board the USS Clifton Sprague, and um, uh, Isabel made the trip up to Providence, Rhode Island, and was there on the pier and when we pulled in and it just, um, it, it was just, it, uh, I, I had to pinch myself because it just was, it, it was uh, so sublime. And um, it, it, you can be a towboat or a, tug, you know, a tugboat, uh, deckhand, a, a, a main fisherman, doesn't matter. You know, having that special person there waiting on the pier. Um, and, I have to say the absence of that. I I will never forget um, how the cook when I was riding on board the Sylvia H, which was a United Barge Company, uh, which later became a came a uh, an Ingram uh, an Ingram towboat, and the cook took me aside and said, "The mate," uh, she said, "I'm kind of worried about the mate. He thinks nobody knows, but we all know. His wife has left him, and." Um, uh, when we passed by the uh, his hometown uh, on the river, his little girls, his wife and his and his two little girls won't be there, and it's going to be brutal for him. And I was so glad she told me that so I could be prepared uh, to be a support to him because um, uh, it's that's the thing you might love what you do out there, and you might be well compensated and all of that, but uh, without that those special people to come home to, or if, if there's been an interruption in that, um, yeah, the, the, there is a disruption in the force as they say in Star Wars. And, um, and it, and it hurts. Uh, and I have to say that uh, there, uh, when I encounter uh, mariners who become uh, destitute, homeless, um, uh, et cetera, often it's a, a result, not of, of things going bad on the river so much as, as uh, there are things on the home front, and um, and it is heartbreaking. Uh, so that that was again part of my remit. One reason why uh, I loved uh, being able to ride on the on the towboat. In other words, uh, uh, we, yes, we responded to crises, but uh, and and turbo uh, and, and so many others would echo this. 
that the the great value often was being able to ride and stay overnight and to be there at breakfast or, or to uh, uh, be, be up there in the deck locker for the uh, the, the 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 gams got a minute you know and and to unpack those those uh, either questions or those concerns um, and I I have to say I miss it now that I'm retired uh, I'm, I I miss it I keep I, I do keep busy and and certainly I um, you know Kempton uh, hearing Kempton stories you know helps to keep me current um, uh, his uh, you know we haven't even mentioned that but you know Kempton in his time has encountered life and death situations and um, those are you know that that happens we uh, sometimes people uh, pass from natural causes other time as a result of accidents but um, yeah, these are more people with whom you work on a on a vessel as you know um, they're not co-workers in fact in some ways I think it's almost insulting um, the and so when you've lost a, a shipmate somebody that you just had breakfast with or or that you were watching a movie with the night before or you or maybe somebody you argued with the day before um to to have them uh not be there anymore um particularly uh in, in a permanent way it's hard to explain to people ashore but uh, it i think it 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 uh, it hits harder with with those of us who've been out there well, does anything come to mind specifically interesting stories? And I know I keep asking that to everyone. It's kind of a broken record on my end, but of your time in the, in the military service with the Navy and the Coast Guard, any highlights or lowlights of, of your time out there? Well, um, the uh, going over the side, um, that, that was uh, remarkable. I, uh, and you're going to say, when was that? And I'll say, which time? I'm a slow learner. Um, first time I was 19 years old and, um, uh, I, and I was so focused, we, we, I was on a 41 foot utility boat and we were, um, uh, supposed, I was supposed to rig up a hawser cause we were going to be towing, uh, a vessel that had, um, uh, broken down and was in danger of, of being washed ashore, uh, cause we were dealing with, uh, the outer bends of a hurricane that was coming up the coast and we wanted to, tow them to safety um and i was so focused on uh uh okay they the little bunny coming up you know with the cloak not the clovage but the uh <laughs> bowling <laughs> okay it goes like this and look good and um uh that i wasn't paying attention to the fact that we were about to get broached as as uh we um uh, were maneuvering and we got pooped, uh, which is not something that happens on the river much, maybe down in New Orleans. But um, uh, so uh, we had a, a wave, a comber come come and and just sweep the deck, and and so with me included. And um, I did have I did have my my PFD on, my, my but uh, I wasn't strapped in. And I remember just how surprised I was. Um, I gee, I didn't I didn't expect this. <laughs> I mean, I guess I intellectually I knew it could happen, and 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 I'm like a cartoon, you know, like uh, uh, you know Daffy Duck or, or whatever, you know. I'm just just grabbing on anything, and and uh, as as the water is washing over the fantail, uh, I did manage to grab the 
the rail that, that was right there at the gunnel, but um, uh, I, I realized this is not a this is not a strong position I'm in here, and I and I certainly wasn't convinced that anybody had seen me. Um, uh, but, but the next thing I knew, it this uh, I think he must have been Turbo's uh, little brother because Chief Gannis, uh, who I felt this huge hand come grab me by uh, I, I guess by my uh, my left. <laughs> And lift me with one hand and throw me on deck and he says Walters, get in here and quit fooling around we don't have time for this <laughs> and, and i you know like uh, like a wet you know like a mackerel that he, you know uh, there on deck and of course i'm soaking wet and uh, he didn't care about that he just went he didn't want to have to account for the of losing a deckhand and i guess i hadn't uh, gotten on his wrong his bad side uh so that you know he decided that i was worth you know, hauling back in. Um, and I say that was the first time that I went over the side. I uh, Another time I went over the side uh, was in Brandenburg, Germany, um, where uh, Kempton was on his honeymoon recently. And um, they, I didn't want to wake anybody up, but if you, if you're, if you lose your queue, your line in, in the queue of a, of a lock, because they only run, they're, they're only, they only have daylight locking there. And so between um, eight, eight, eight a.m. You were impatient, and then sunset. I was impatient, uh -huh. and you're not supposed to do a lock just one person. That's literally <laughs> yes, that yes. So, okay. I, thank you, yes, uh, thank you for the reminder. So yeah. uh, I needed uh, somebody to get the. I ran up, got the bow line, and and I need somebody on the stern line. And the, the there was no one. You were trying right. to was, right. 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 And, and so the, lock, the you lock, fell in the lock. You the broke next, a rib. Well, no, three ribs. But the the next thing I knew, uh, you know, I had the stern line, but uh, <laughs> that's all I had was the stern line, and I'm that's in the unsafe. Yeah. That's patently unsafe. I'm sorry that's you really broke three ribs, Dad. I really am, and I'm sorry it, that I didn't. It was humbling. People it were was humbling. Yeah, and, my, his, his, my, my dad's my dad's sister in law came out and said, "Oh, he's in the water!" Right, and I have the lock the the lockmaster yelling down, "No swimming, no swimming!" as if I was down there for my health. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was it was humbling. I'm I I was so glad that I had put the uh, I'd taken her out of gear. She was in neutral, um, but. Uh, <laughs> Again, you should do you should do anyway. Like, I mean, uh, if you'd left it in gear, that's like a double whammy of things. Literally everything you're not supposed to do Dad, if you you could have woken you, me Sam. up. I know Thank that you. I was I know that, you know, I, I don't know. Right. That was well, very silly. Anyway, so those the instances like that, which are humble that I can tell on myself, um, uh, were actually very useful, uh, really, from day one uh, out on the river, because uh, the, those who've been over the side, um, none of them planned. I I have never met anybody who intended to do that, you know, <laughs> and uh, and it is it is an existential event. Uh, it, uh, it, wondering how it's going to turn out, um, and uh, so uh, I've had some w wonderfully 
uh, frank discussions with mariners uh, uh, down in Columbus, Columbus, Kentucky, and uh, in, in Paducah, and oh, various other places. Um, and of course, you and I, you know, Tim, we we know the the downside of that. That often, uh, too often, um, going in going into the river means. Um, you know, uh, the, the, uh, very tragic circumstances. Uh, I I still um, it, it sometimes haunts me how how many times people go into the river and they're never seen again and, and their 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 remains are their body their bodies never found. Um, that that has to be very very hard. I've done a number of funerals like that, and um, I don't I won't say that they get any easier that they don't. Well, let's jump ahead a little bit. So I think you said you joined Seamus Church in 2010. That's right. Uh, June June 1st of 2010. And um, I, I really kind of had to hit the ground running. Um, there were uh, within, well, within the first month, we, we I was responding to uh, crisis calls, uh, man overboard, um, fat, fat, fatalities. And um, the uh, uh, astoundingly, Astoundingly, uh, one vessel, um, the Sylvia H, uh, lost two uh, out of a crew of nine. Uh, one week they lost a, a, a new hire, uh, deckhand. Um, his, his first name was Zhang, and uh, I, I, and uh, uh, what was it? A week later, uh, the uh, the uh, lead man, I guess, or yeah, I guess the lead man or mate, who was uh, due to retire. At the end of that hitch, he passed of natural causes on board. So if you can imagine losing two out of nine on the same hitch from the same crew, I mean, uh, that that was a, a crew that had been through an emotional ringer. And um, I don't know that it makes, it, for, for people ashore, yes, it's a job. But it's but it's more than that. I mean, when you spend in in some cases more than half of your uh, life you're, uh, away from home, uh, uh, you're, you're living uh, with people that you wouldn't have chosen, uh, but uh, you you share you, you share a living space, you share uh, dangers, you, sh you share. Uh, work schedules, uh, food, um, uh, you may not have a lot of values in common necessarily, it, with musical tastes, whatever, but you're there. And um, the, uh, the, one, the one thing that uh, I, I know of, and I've talked to people about this, is how much they miss having uh, a shipmate who has their back, who is there for them, who would uh, walk into a, a burning compartment to uh, uh, to retrieve them and and uh, and I've met uh, you know I've, I've been in the aftermath when people had I uh, it's still breathtaking um, when I hear some of the stories uh, I, and I and I don't want to bore you with the stories it's uh there there so many I I remember you, and I, I don't want to I don't want to pick on any one company but there was a, a vessel where um, uh, the and and there's a reason they we say that the most dangerous day on the water is um, uh, crew change day, or or the or the day before, and uh, in, in other words, in an effort to get everything done, sometimes we there are shortcuts that are taken, 
And this was, that was the case in, in this instance. And uh, a chief engineer managed to, uh, while he was suging and cleaning uh, in his immaculate, absolutely immaculate uh, uh, in the steering, uh, uh, steering room, um, the pistons uh, flattened him against the bulkhead and uh, he broke his pel pelvis in, I think, 12 places. Uh, I mean, he, he was, um, it, it, this would have been, a, 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 I mean, and, and of course nobody could hear him. This would have been a fatal, a, 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 a fatal in, injury. And for some reason, there was a, a deckhand on board who was a former Marine uh, and he had returned from uh, duty in Iraq and he had had uh, a thing called CLS, combat lifesaving. And even though he was, again, just a kid but by some standards, 23, 20, yeah, 23, 24, he had the presence of mind to not only, uh, the, the, the chief who was in his late 30s dragged himself to, uh, uh, and was able to reach an alarm. And as I say, this young uh, former Marine, um, uh, or a Marine veteran found him and calmly and coolly uh, responded and and uh, and saved the chief's life and um, it, and it just amazing didn't didn't want any any credit for it uh, but I just thought this is this is amazing this is this is a a, a draw this is more compelling than you know anything you could read and it's real and it's and it's true and um i i was with the uh, the chief in uh the hospital i guess it was peoria uh, in, uh illinois and um because it was sort of tied up in in investigations and various other things that happen uh, in these instances no recognition ever came to the young young man but i i, I remember thinking um at the time uh, I, that I, I, it was too bad because I really wanted to affirm and to validate um, uh, this. They, they called him Joker uh, as from, as in the, the full metal jacket. And, um, but, you know, and I, there, the, so 13 years later, I'm, I'm still thinking, you know, I, I would love to have, of uh, shaking, shaking his hand, but that that wasn't my remit to do. But um, it certainly was memorable, and I just remember what a fantastic crew. And and there are stories like that, so many of them that uh, that that I personally was in, witnessed and was involved with. That I would love for the American public to know and appreciate that you know because we we look we taking nothing away from the greatest generation i mean what they did was remarkable but uh, my dad uh we, we used to come out here to uh, paducah and we, we'd have some wonderful times and he would sign photos because of course you know he was treated like a uh, like a rock star and, and in many ways he was but he would say to them because he, he'd take the tour he loved that stuff and he and he would say, you know, you're every bit as good. I think you're even better than than we were, um, and and no one knows it. Uh, and so he would sign the, his a photograph of his ship uh, in the high seas, you know, to the 
to the latest greatest generation. And uh, I, and I know I've 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 been aboard vessels where they had that framed and it's still up years later. Um, and that was not an overstatement. That's um, you know there are just some you know some amazing people out there. Um, Sorry, uh, just uh, just to, I, I, yeah, what you're saying there. I mean, yes, that's that's uh, that's that's beautiful and all that, um, and speaks to a larger thing of, um, uh, I, I, you know, you're, you talk about generational uh, uh, differences, and you know, so he, you know, uh, he was greatest generation. You're you're uh, more of the uh, boomer generation. Um, and I, it is so. One thing I just sort of discovered when I returned, when I uh, moved back to Baltimore, um, was my uh, one of my my history advisor who had been teaching uh, at Johns Hopkins since 1974. Um, when I reconnected with him, he and I told him I was sailing on the Great Lakes. He said, "Oh, I used to sail. I sailed briefly as a deckhand on the Great Lakes. My math teacher in high school also." Did a stint in the in the Merchant Marine on the Great Lakes, and uh, my brother, my my dad's, uh, or my, sorry, or my uncle, my dad's brother, uh, also sailed on, on the Great Lakes. I will say, and historically, um, whether it be Merchant Marine, whether it be just transportation jobs or or industrial jobs, even larger, it, it, you know, there's a certain amount of. Uh, that sort of thing being uh, in, in many ways a rite of passage that I say as a millennial generation, as a member of the millennial generation, I, I have some concerns that, um, ooh, it's dirty or ooh, it's that. And, you know, that's not to say, you know, somewhere between, you know, uh, that the, that silly the phrase that I was told was steel ships, steel men until, you know, as dad has painted this sordid picture of all the casualties and breakdowns and, and, and the emotional toll that, yes, there's that. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, you, you don't need to be, uh, you know, steel ships, steel men about it. You can have fun. You can, we have steak days every Sunday and stuff like there is a, the camaraderie there is real. But um, yeah, that sort of right of path, that sort of uh, con the, the connection. I know that we, we you know, we know that uh, many people, uh, that what, what was it, 0.1% of the US population serves in the military. I, I don't remember what the statistic, but it's very, very low. And I'm sure that it, statistically, it's similarly low in terms of uh, uh, tra uh, maritime transportation. Um, and but but of people who actually do the driving or the engineering and, and all of that um involvement in logistics oh i have a degree in logistics okay so you're a severe nerd and you what do you think you're too, like part of me like i i think about this having both having two uh bachelor's degrees there are um friends and former classmates and and dare I say even family members where it's like you know it's not about um making a career necessarily out of it but um you know even, uh just sort of getting a, even a taste of it you know uh to make make one's emotional reaction more more one of empathy than sympathy like oh that 
you know, I, I can I can relate. Dad's never sailed on barges. He, he, you know, in, in fairness, Dad. Like, just, but that said, you've sailed yourself, so you can empathize. That that's that's you know the difference. You've not, you know, you've worked you've you've worked on the Western rivers in the capacity as a chaplain. However, having been a, a Coast Guard enlisted and even an officer of the deck briefly. Uh, you know, in the eighties, you can appreciate these sort of, uh, things. Um, I, I guess I've sort my, you know, the short time that I've been sailing, I, I'm, I, I can only hope that, um, um, mariners who, the, the people in the maritime transportation industry feel that sort of connection with, you know, uh, I, I, by the way, just, I knew my grandfather as Moby because his name's Dixon Baldridge, so Moby Dick. So, like, just, just, a, but Dad, you talking about Moby that way, um, it, it just reminds me, you know, in a, the, with the, that, that sort of maritime heritage and the connection, the, the intergenerational connection, um, there's a lot of value in that. And I can, I can only hope that it continues, mm -hmm. um, you know moving forward and you know yeah I, I, that's that's just i don't I, I, that's that's all that's, that's just my sort of my take yeah thank you for that um are there any details you can share of incidents of, of loss or casualty in your career um yes uh i mean there's uh there's one that is that was uh i, I probably can't so but that yet yeah, but in terms of a casualty that yes uh, occurred um uh that what happened that did happen on the job and yeah it takes a lot out it, it there's there's no uh there's no way to take a lot out of you and um and the Invest and investigations and um, uh, the conversations you have with uh, uh, shipmates after the fact is it's it's a lot. You don't wish that on anyone, and it really reminds you of that. It's this that this that the the job is very real, and that well, I mean, um, safety stuff is there for a reason, including your your own, because you never know when you. Technically, you might be responsible for your own, um, you know, that your own choices might be technically responsible. No one, and no, no investigation is ever going to blame the deceased. Um, but anyway, sorry, that's that's very vague. So maybe I'll just leave that at that. Um, but uh, there was, I can, uh, there was a time on the on the Badger um, that a passenger. So we had a uh, we would carry tractors um, sometimes. There would be tractor meets on one side of the lake or the other, and we were and and we would uh, they would drive their own because tractors are very you know specialized stuff. So we would let them down onto the car deck um, as we were as we would approach uh, the dock. Um, and so I and when I would hand over the the, the, the controls to the captain, I would. Uh, go on down. I would I would go to the passenger uh, area and say, "Okay, who's here for the, for the from the tractor group? Okay, follow me down this down these steps." And it's a long row of steps, 
And when some of the passengers are in their 80s, I guess it can be a lot. And um, um, this was, and one of the people, one of the passengers had a heart attack. And we immediately, we immediately started doing CPR. And then we, uh, and then uh, while well, someone fetched an AED, but uh, that the, the passenger passed. And that was really, uh, I, that's the one and only time I've administered CPR. And I really could, I hope to never have to do that again. Um, so it, it, I guess that's not, that's not really a marine casualty so much as it is, um, the age and, and bad luck, but yeah, nothing. I don't know what. Nothing in this life is guaranteed. <laughs> Be good to each other. I don't have a sort of hippie uh, conclusion to to draw from that. Um, and it, and in terms of other uh, casual, you know, casualties of my own, I uh, I I guess there was an instance of, of uh, I I am fortunate to work alongside great. Uh, you know, great folks. So there was one time when I was standing in for an AD and I was securing the uh, turnbuckles that we used to secure the uh, fenders. And it was, yeah, it was very, very hot. And, uh, and I was filling in for an AB and um, yeah, I got, I got gassed pretty quickly because uh, I wasn't really used to doing those turnbuckles, you know, and you know, what, uh, one of the other mates, uh, who uh, was who was with me was watching me and he was like, Captain, I think I'll let I'll let, I'll let Ivan fill in for you, but go inside, cool off and stuff, and you know that. So that's I guess you know the word the better word for that would be honestly near miss, and that's and while near misses uh, are are exactly as they sound, it, it it does it speaks highly to um, what the company culture is in terms of, of overseeing everything and pre and preemptively uh, nipping uh, what what could what could have been worse. So um, yeah, that's that's something that it sucked at the time, but I was it sucked at the time. Of course, I was embarrassed afterwards. I was like, oh, you know, oh, I got gas really quickly and. You know, and I'll tell you between uh, there's no way around the fact between the hot uh, air and being and doing um, turnbuckles between two rubber uh, Yokohama fenders. You want to talk about some really trapped air? I, I've not to be crude. You know, even on a good day, if you fart in between those fenders, you're outside and it still is trapped, which is pretty pretty astounding that. Uh, you could be outside and still, you know, Dutch oven yourself. So anyway, that's my <laughs> lighthearted way of lighthearted, crude way of ending that. That's that's that. They missed that in the training manual. Yeah, they should. You know, that's honestly, I'll have to reach out to our uh, vessel operator and say, include in training manual, like don't fart in between fenders because it will it will haunt you. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and back to you, chaps. Okay, so Siemens Church in 2010, how soon did you meet Turbo? Um, actually, fairly, fairly soon. Um, I, I began um, riding uh, the harbor, harbor vessels. They, 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 uh, 
the Stephen P. Venable and uh, the uh, Eva Walker, et cetera, and 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 the process of uh, making tow uh, with the Hornet. Um, uh, so I, I would say probably around 2011, and I and I as I say I do remember um, uh, meeting him and the, uh, the you know we have a, the, that expression you know standing on the shoulders of giants. Uh, I followed uh, a, a, a wonderful, wonderful natural chaplain by the name of Jim Wilkinson, who uh, was the first on the Western Rivers, and um, he he had made it easy for me to. Um, I didn't have to explain to people why I was there or what a chaplain was. Uh, he'd been doing it since I guess '96 or something like that, '97. And so uh, it made it easy for me. And there were certain companies that, like Ingram, that uh, where, where, where we had uh, a carte blanche. You know, we could we could we could. Uh, I always asked permission, but but the permission was always granted. And John O'Perley, uh, who was the uh, vessel operations uh, 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 maven at the time, uh, used to say, "Anytime, anytime, chaps." But I would always, you know, ask his permission, and there, and there were certain um, when I when I uh, began to um, to feel a little bit more uh, comfortable because I, on the one hand, you uh, you want to be present so that you know you, that people know you're there. On the other hand, there's you want to be that fly on the wall. You don't want to be uh, you don't want to interfere with anything or, or present a hazard to yourself and. And so the, I think um, learning, learn, achieving that balance uh, came, um, and, uh, I began to get a sense of that on the uh, harbor tugs. And so uh, when uh, Turbo and, oh gosh, uh, the uh, Martha, Martha on the Martha Denton um, and, oh gosh, uh, uh, so some other vessels where they would in, invite me to, you know, how long could you stay? <laughs> and, and which is what you want to hear as, as opposed to, uh, you know, you still here? <laughs> and uh, on the Hornet, uh, the uh, learning about the history of the Hornet, how it had been acquired and 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 even uh, gotten its name that that, that uh, and I loved that history, and uh, so I leaned into that. And um, uh, next time I next time I came back, uh, I I had done some research, and um, uh, Ingram spends all kinds of wonderful money on the safety equipment and the habitability, but interior decorating not so much. Um, and so I came back with a box of, of, of books and, and various other things that I thought would be appreciated and uh, a se separate box with eight by 10 frames of vessels that uh, uh, other vessels that went by the name Hornet. Fascinating that, you know, for example, Mark Twain wrote about that there was a clipper ship named the Hornet that burned to the waterline and uh, and Mark Twain wrote about it. it was one of the first books he ever had published. Turbo loved that. <laughs> and uh, and of course, we know about the uh, World War II aircraft carrier that launched uh, the, the uh, Doolittle Raiders and 
you know, on, on and on. But there were also, there was the HMS Hornet. And, and uh, uh, so I, I came and I think I had about uh, 10 frames of uh, photographs, uh, which uh, Turbo then, uh, uh, Turbo and, and let me see, uh, let me see uh, oh, the other, and, and his relief, uh, they they went through and they, they picked the best ones for their own cabin and then spread the other pictures around. And uh, I think I might've even sent out to um, uh, Alameda where the USS Hornet is retired as a museum ship. Uh, I think I might've gotten, uh, gotten a deal uh, on uh, some ball caps. And that, so yeah, uh, Turbo will be the first to admit that he can be, he can be bribed or influenced. So, uh, so I was welcome to return anytime and, and uh, rode with them a lot. Uh, that, um, in fact, there, yeah, there are certain Ingram vessels that will always have a very special place in my heart. The Turbo is now the uh, Brian Rafferty, I think, isn't it? I, I think that's right. Um, but but they, they've since renamed the Hornet from uh, of the Turbo. The, the Hornet has since been renamed and um, and I shared with uh, I uh, I guess I guess Les Grimm had moved on by that point, but I, I, I mentioned it to uh, Aaron Barrett and some of the other folks there on the uh, on the shore side. You know, this is this is more than just a workplace here. You know, there's a certain grieving process. You know, they they're they're used to it because they asked me to actually do the uh, the the renaming or the rechristening. I said they're they're grown ups; they can handle it, but you know, just give them a moment. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, there are what, 3,500 towboats in the in the 8th District that we know that the Coast Guard knows about, I think. Um, and some of them uh, look very similar to one another. Um, you, you know, they same manufacturer, you know, whether it's, you know, Dravo or whatever. Um, but each one has a, their own character. Um, and um, and they they they're more than just inanimate objects uh, when they're when they're crewed up um, and when they're running the way the they whichever crew uh, likes having it run um, it, it it has uh, uh, something something extra uh, you know something it, it, it's meaningful and uh, if you if you doubt that uh, go to go aboard a vessel where it's cold cold iron and no one's on board and you know, maybe they're tearing it up to do a rehab or maybe they're getting ready to scrap it and th there's a huge difference it really is and um yeah uh, you know uh, you can say it's silly or that's put, putting too much into it but, but um i reminded what uh, uh, joshua lawrence chamberlain once said when he was going up a little round top uh, you know he the, it was just a hill with lots lots of rocks but he said you know in, in all great deeds something abides something lives on and referring to and making reference to in, in the biblical reference that you know if these stones could talk and and i think the same could be said of the the vessels that uh, go up and down the rivers um, and on the coasts and uh, you know overseas, um, you know I, I think about the Richard A. Baker, you know June June twelfth, um, uh, twenty twelve. They uh, in what the they, they it was just day at work for them, and uh, they weren't planning on it, um, but they 
undertook right there at St. Louis Harbor, they're northbound, I think with, I want to say 12 loads. And they, they uh, saved a family of five who were headed for a certain death. Um, and the Coast Guard later described it as the, the, the most daring river rescue in, in modern history. Um, and it cost uh, Kyle Hardman, who uh, was the Vietnam vet and, and who'd been in the first year of, uh, or the, the first season of uh, uh, Deadliest Catch. And he came ashore because his mother was worried about his safety out there. And of course, in the process of, of effecting that rescue of that family of five, including you know, two small children, um, uh, he died. And um, so, yeah, it's a it's just a, a big steel steel boat doing a job, but it's there's something more, and um, uh, not everybody feels it. Uh, you know, Kent and I were talking about you know the family members <laughs> who just don't understand what the appeal is, and that's fine, but. Um, it's this is an honorable profession, and um, and I I guess I want to to the day I die I I really do want to lift up and affirm and validate um, the, the the men and women who are out here, um, and maybe to take their cause if you will to let people know just how uh, how much we rely on their efforts, but. Also, uh, I want the, I want them to uh, have an appreciation for what they do. Um, yeah, Dad. So you bring up a pretty good point that yeah, unfortunately, when it comes to maritime transportation, you know, everyone remembers you know Evergreen and Evergiven, and you know everyone on social media is you know whether whether it be the Suez Canal or Chesapeake Bay. Oh shit, what's going down? Okay, you know that sucks. That we, people only care when 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 there's something dramatic going on and. Um, you, you know, I, I, part of me wishes, you, you know, where's the Twilight Zone episode of what if maritime transportation was shut down? Because, you know, there's a, that you can talk about, we can talk about, anyone who knows it knows about the vitality of it at a global level. And, and we can, and there's a whole other, you know, uh, conversation to be had about, uh, uh, about the national Congress, about the, about the national maritime. Mm -hmm. Fleet and Jones Act and all that and all that stuff. Um, but I will say that you're talking about names and you know the sort of uh, you're talking about vessel names and, and the nature of, of it being their home and whatnot. And um, we've had this conversation a lot because you've done a lot of boat christenings for you know these names that who care who knows who these people are. Because if you, you know, when you're in the, a Navy veteran who served on the USS Hornet, the USS Lost, even the USS Bella Wood, you know, named after uh, historic vessels or historic uh, battles, um, or for that matter, you know, and in fairness, the U.S. Navy right now really does, a, does not do a good job of naming their uh, uh, vessels, you know, consistently, you know, there was a time when you could, if you heard what the name of the vessel was, you would know what kind of vessel it, it was. It's no right. longer like that because that's not how uh, congressional budgets work, which, you know, great. Right, yeah. So, well, as someone said, fish don't vote, though. So. 
you know, right. Yeah. Um, and you know, you take things that Hyman Rickover said with a certain grain of salt. I mean, but just, but he's not wrong anyway. Um, but I do, I do think about, especially with the, uh, in the case of the inland rivers, um, why with all the different U.S. cities and towns that dot the Ohio, the Cumberland, the Tennessee, the Mississippi, the Missouri, why there isn't a greater way of um, or a better, you know, in terms of naming them after some of these cities and towns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, because then you can have something where those those same cities and towns um, can have a have a connection um, I agree. to yeah. an, an actively sailing vessel. I, the, the four vessels uh, that are that form the AEC offshore fleet are the the excellence, the innovator, the responsibility. Um, Oh, and the partnership, and the 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 uh, the driving force behind that was those are the company values. Uh, you know what? That's fair. That's a fair thing. Those are all, you, you know, the uh, the Navy Minecraft, where you know the Avenger, the Devastator. That works too. These are all things that you can um, rally uh, uh, behind. Mm-hmm. You know, the value, whether it be values or you know, Avenger and Devastator are just cool sounding names. You can come up with some fun artwork. Um, I did a, and and I'm not even. I won't even necessarily even poo-poo naming it after a person. I were I did my last Cadet Sea project on the USNS Red Cloud, who was which was named for a Korean War veteran. I did. I guess maybe my one thing that I just find to be really like, how insecure do you have to be to be a living, breathing human being? And you, you know, I'm let's name that boat after me. Sir, did you, you know, charge a Korean hill, you, you know, many years ago? Like, Ted, do you, are you a Medal of Honor winner, or did you, do you just own the vessel? You know, because if you just own the vessel, owning it should be enough. You're not even actively sailing. Like, when's what's 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 enough? I wonder for ship owners and people on the shore side and beyond side of things. What you, you know, that's maybe that's my maybe that's me. That's my half soapbox thing, um, but. You know, or maritime heroes within the Western rivers and stuff, or or the Gulf and stuff. There's such a deep well of um, concepts and towns and cities and mm-hmm. wildlife and and pe- and people who did I use name? You know, heroic people uh, for vessels to be named after. So to name it after a paper after a you know a bean counter, it's kind of you know a really prestigious bean counter. It's like Sure. But anyway, there's my soapbox. I'm done. My bad. I won't necessarily comment on those points directly, but um, in the industry, in the barge industry, it has been painted certainly as the greatest honor that could ever be bestowed upon a person to have a towing vessel named after them. Um, I've not witnessed any that were family, but it's been employees, whether it's on the water shore side, Mm -hmm. anywhere. Uh, you say bean counter. I laughed a little bit inside, but anyway. Um, well, I I was lamenting the fact. I I don't know if you can hear me, Tim, but um, uh, this person right here. That that why that that happens to be Valentine B. Horton. That name doesn't mean anything to you. That's okay because we we we've forgotten who he he was the inventor of the towboat. 
And, and, the, and the first towboat was the Condor. And it was a purpose-built uh, vessel. He, he came up with the idea of uh, standardized size uh, barges and having uh, one vessel, uh, or, you know, one uh, powered vessel, uh, return the empty barges back up river. Uh, and uh, he, that was in 1836. Um, and it, uh, I, you know, I don't know why no one thought of it before Valentine B. Horton of, of New England, you know, from Vermont, <laughs> but he did. And he made enough money by 1842 to, uh, to, to build a church. He built Grace Episcopal Church at mile 250. Uh, I know these things. Um, and I, I I love these things, but it, it sometimes saddens me that I may be the only person outside of Pomeroy, Ohio, who knows, who, knows who, who that is. I, I think we need, I do, do think we need to do a better job of of um, lifting up uh, our heritage and, and uh, you know, in a, in a good way. I mean, he was a good, he was a good man. He was even a congressman um, and, he, he, you know. I, I just wanted to say, I'm glad to hear that on the Western Rivers that crew members have vessels named for them. Um, mm -hmm. I, this, my first cadet sea project was done on the on the um, motor vessel Roger Blau, who was the owner of U.S. Steel and went to war with JFK in the early 60s. It's like, you know, that's so that's my point of reference, admittedly, on the, on the lakes. But, uh, I, I, you know, um, the maritime heritage kind of thing you know and that, that warms the cockles of my heart honestly that uh crew members on the on the, the, for the, the many types of boats and i know from that that, that the western rivers is where the new vessels are being built and that's the other mm -hmm. i mean there's there's something to be said for that whole uh for, there may be hope yet for the u.s flag fleet because you know people talk about the shrinkage yeah only so far as uh, the deep sea well, uh, I mean, Tim, the captain and I were just talking about this before uh, uh, the interview. Uh, I find it uh, very sad that uh, the in Jeffersonville, uh, the Jeff boat uh, closed in uh, 2018 after what 175 years, and that there was no real impetus uh, to to uh, save uh, the industry. And but but not just the. the the infrastructure, but the the brain trust, the this the you know thousands of years worth of accumulated knowledge and skill that the these wonderful artisans really. I mean, they're they they yes, they were shipyard workers, but they were craftsmen and uh, and they cared deeply. And uh, and having you know on behalf of Siemens Church, I I uh, went to Jeffersonville and I uh, we had a pancake breakfast for them and uh, to. Uh, not necessarily as a morale builder, but just to let them know that we were thinking of them. And, and that it does sadden me to think that we um, as a country don't, uh, don't recognize the, 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 uh, the, the, uh, the great value that uh, our shipbuilding industry uh, has brought. Yeah, there's a, a whole lot of history in this industry that I do not know that I've been working to uncover with this podcast. But that leads me to uh, possibly a closing topic or closing point. How recently have you retired? Um, my last or my my first day of retirement was March first, twenty twenty two. 
So you put up with Turbo for 11 years. Well, congratulations on that. Uh, and in your retirement, I think you mentioned during COVID possibly, you started a, a new project. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I've been, uh, I, th this, this was my uh, therapy. Um, it's called uh, This Day in Maritime History. And um, my, if there was a point I was trying to make, it's that every day is a day in maritime history, if you know where to look. And uh, it was, it, it began with uh, an awareness of sinkings and, and things like that. But I, but having, uh, taking, being intentional about, about it, uh, it, I was able to suss out some, uh, j just some marvelous history that I, I uh, my my long suffering wife Isabel, uh, I, I, I'm, she was uh, uh, <laughs> the fact that she would put up with me, you know, running into where whatever she was doing, you know, uh, look what I've discovered. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, did you know, uh, you know, and I would come up with, uh, for example, that the the uh, very first uh, one of the first two steamboat pilots to make the passage on the Sangamon River was a fellow by the name of Abraham Lincoln. In fact, it was one of his first paid jobs. He was paid $40 uh, for that. And, uh, you know, did you know that uh, Abraham Lincoln uh, was the only president to receive a patent? A patent for what? He, he was awarded a patent for uh, a device that would help to float steamboats uh, that had, had uh, run aground. You know, you know, I mean... Stuff like this, when when you uncover uh, uncover that, um, and to realize uh, that uh, whether we know it or we, you, we 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 may be unaware, but that doesn't make us any less dependent upon um, uh, the what what is happening in the maritime world and the fact that we're that it's out of sight. I mean, for those of us with you know issues around object permanence. If you don't see it, you don't think about it. Well, I think that's true largely of our society. And so, um, uh, I had a little—I had some fun with this. Uh, every day, in fact, uh, almost every day, I was able to find uh, one or two, sometimes more—you know, three or four—different uh, events, um, and not just disasters, but but um, uh, inventions or or uh, the the birth of of uh, a, a significant person, or uh, just for example, writers who um, found their voice uh, as a uh, at sea or on board ship. Um, Ralph Ellison, you know, the author of Invisible Man. Uh, Langston Hughes. Langston Hughes was a, a a college dropout who shipped out, and he, in fact, he threw his books <laughs> from Columbia University <laughs> into the wake of the ship. Uh, and it was it was through going to see going and 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 seeing a bit of the world uh, that he discovered uh, what what he was about. Um, uh, but and actors, you know, Cliff Robertson, uh, when when Pearl Harbor was attacked, he was a recent high school graduate, and 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 uh, as in uh, you know, I mean, he was 18 years old from a, a fairly fairly well-to-do family in in uh, California. And this four-engine Japanese Mavis bomber is, is bombing and strafing him. He, he was there in the Philippines, and he probably wisely said to himself, get me the heck out of here. And, and But by the end of the war, 
Uh, he had uh, he had done a little bit more school, but he decided to become a merchant marine officer. And again, these are stories that uh, are worth telling and worth knowing. Um, we're celebrating. Um, so uh, yeah, I had some fun with that. I hope I, I hope when the the, the postal service uh, delivers you your copy, so that you'll have a, uh, have some light reading, maybe. I look forward to receiving that. Uh, is it for sale anywhere? Um, well, yeah, yeah my, my wife is, is yelling from the other room. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, yes, not yes, not yet. We um, we've been working on uh, 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 trying to uh, uh, package it in such a way as uh, 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 I. It's been self-published, uh, and if people want to. Um, uh, want additional copies? Uh, yes, we'll. Uh, it, it, uh, I'm accepting uh, funds for that. It, it does have an ISBN number, um, which uh, I'm so proud that I've figured out how to do that. Um, and uh, there's the there's the ISBN number right there. Um, but um, we're we're working on it. The 2024 edition, um, uh, which is it, obviously going to have some new dates um, in some ways makes the, my point for me that um, I don't know how many dates or I don't think there's anything that really needs to drop that drop out. Um, but uh, every day uh, I'm learning uh, about new events or new um, uh, occurrences or new people uh, that need to go in there. And so I think a 2024 edition um, with a better cover and with a bit better pagination and my wife says larger print um uh is, is probably on the way the uh, first the first 60 copies were given to the uh, uh upperclassmen uh at the new york maritime academy when i was there last summer um as a uh, as a salaway and as a as a tribute to um uh their uh, efforts and their service uh, but also their their part in maritime history they're making it now whether they know it or not it's great to hear i, I look forward to to getting that copy in my hands um one final question and i'll offer the floor back to kempton uh, to start but same question for both of you kempton speak as as long and thoroughly as you as you care to or as as you're able uh, and then of course chaps chime in and, and add any any color any additional insights but uh for both of you what has this industry meant for this country uh, over the over the last 200 years. What does it look like today and what do you see for it tomorrow? Mm, okay, uh, that's a fantastic question. Uh, that's, a, like a, that's a solid essay prompt. You can do a master's thesis, doctoral thesis. Um, what is maritime history? Okay, it's, we're three quarters. It's we're three quarters. Three quarters of this world is covered in water. So, um, it's it just is. It's a there's a certain practical nature to it. Um, this country is uh, the, 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 you know is the uh, conductor more whether we like it or not of the Western Hemisphere. Um, so from a uh, from being this sort of unique, you know, we are over there from every from everyone else, and it's through um, um, shipping that we are connected to the rest of the world. So, 
that's just I'm not that's just reality um and we might like we might like to think of ourselves as as uh you know um snug and isolated yeah there's a certain safety net net in you know north and south america but you know you can't ignore you you can't self-isolate especially you know there's a certain reality that you know globalization post 1945 that it's 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 here it's here to stay um and uh, free trade in, in some way, shape, or form is going to um, exist. And that's not to sort of, uh, you know, openly question um, cabotage laws and, and uh, things like the Jones Act and stuff, but, the, you know, but there, there's a value system that we spent the first 20 years from 45 to 65 or even the full fit you know leading up to the fall of the soviet union that we were like this is how it's going to be we're going to we're going to see it through and you know we've uh it's been it's been tested at various points but it seems to that seems to be the the, the way that things are, are moving so um i i have a uh a book that my grandfather gave to uh, my dad and and then and then my dad gave it to me of trips of the merchant marine. So and it was written in 1946 at the high point um, when the when the U.S. merchant shipping was was at its highest. And um, with a forward from Chester Nimitz talking about the invaluable uh, nature of the, of, of the U.S. merchant marine um, during World War II, uh, our, we're not there anymore, sadly. Um, uh, there's, uh, there's, there's the, there's the whole parallel conversation between public and private investment and the sort of byproduct of, uh, of, um, more open borders and, and, I, um, and, uh, and, and building being cheaper overseas and, um, labor and, and labor, uh, as, as well. Um, so there are, uh, trials that have been uh it's been it's been tested and and we've seen you know some uh, quite a great deal of shrinkage of the u.s merchant marine but you know and you know uh fingers crossed we never have to fight anything like what we won in 1945 um but as my i remember when i was a kid uh just sort of doing amateur stuff playing world war ii games that were obviously a lot simpler and i was like well look how many ships that sink and this and such and i remember my dad in a very stoic manner saying you know saying amateurs study tactics but you know winners study logistics and then, and then he would just walk away while i'm playing some windows 95 dos game i'm like okay i don't this game is not that complex i'm not <laughs> it's just it's called great naval battles three it's it's merely tactics I mean, have you seen how bad the graphics are? Like, anyway, there's a lot of truth to that, though, in, in terms of, you know, the, the tactic, you know, the merchant marine and a robust, and ensuring a robust merchant marine from whether it, from what, from inland to, co to uh, near coastal to ocean going, it's all, you know, with the exception of, the, of water density, 
Liquids are liquids. So the principles remain the same. The skills remain the same. And, um, you, you know, they're, um, we don't get to, you know, we're not going to decide if something, if, if God forbid, knock on wood, that a World War III uh, occurs, that, or that, that um, you know, we don't, we can't, we'll, we'll do our best to sort of not, uh, uh, to, to see, uh, a, a you know, uh, a tentative world peace, but that, you know, holds through. Um, but if not, it sure is nice to to ensure that shipping lanes remain open, that, that stuff gets from A to B across the Atlantic, across the Pacific, across, you know, um, that goods and services are able to be moved from A to B to C to D to, you know, A, Z and to A prime. And that's what my grandfather did. And that's not going to change in the worst case, in a worst case scenario event. So um, where we are now is certainly not where we want to be. And having contingencies does not necessarily mean we're going to, you know, uh, uh, you know, having fire extinguishers in life perhaps doesn't mean that you're going, you hope to never use them, but you still have them and you still maintain all of that safety equipment. So there's a, uh, so whether it be safety on a vessel, you know, you know, life-saving apparatuses and safety apparatuses on a vessel, you know, it, for, for the, for, for the state at a national level, it, you know, it's just security measures. So uh, there are, there's, there's, a, there's reason to, um, just because it's cheaper overseas doesn't mean it's right. And, 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 and you know, I know that that's you know, going down the moralizing path isn't really, that, that's not going to, that's not going to do anything. Um, I take, I commented on this, uh, uh, a couple months ago saying, you know, you know, in a pinch, I guess the fact that the Marshall Islands registered vessels are, are the third largest in the world, maybe, you know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe we can, maybe there's our backup plan. Maybe that's what the, maybe that's what a, a future uh, maritime strategy looks like. I, I don't know. Um, uh, and so everything I just was talking about is from a national security uh, perspective. But moreover, you know, I, I wrote about, as an undergrad, I wrote about uh, maritime history, and now I'm doing it. So not everything in, in life, you know, you, you know, you don't need to be a serial killer to be interested to, uh, to speak about uh you know, murder. I'm not. Here's what I'm getting at. Um, that, sorry, that was a weird. Uh, let me let me back up a minute. Uh, consciousness. Yeah, but what I'm getting at is that in order, you can do. You don't always have to do the thing in order to write about the thing. But in the case of maritime affairs, it helps a great deal. It, 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 you you doing the thing even for, and that's what I was getting at earlier with my senior you know my uh history my my, my thesis advisor he wrote uh, you know he was he'd been teaching at johns hopkins since 1974 but for a hot second he sailed my 
um, math teacher in high school, primarily, well, actually, he did, in fact, fly for the, he flew E2s for the Navy, but just a perfect example, he was, he was a deckhand on the Great Lakes, and then he flew E2s, and then he ended up being a high school teacher. My uncle was an environmentalist, but before that, he sailed for a bit. Joseph Conrad, we know, is a prolific writer and commentator on colonial era, what have you, uh, on colonial era politics and culture, but, you know, but he also was a merchant mariner, and there's a, a reason why his writing it, it, it is, is, is so um, authentic. So I get so boy that was that was all over the place and I even sorry about the serial killer mark that was just a half baked well, thought. Well, maybe maybe I, maybe I can. yeah you said take it yeah say that that the the, the the a young George Washington um, who who uh, made his way to what would someday become Pittsburgh uh, he was I think what twenty five when he uh, first set eyes on the Ohio River. And he had an epiphany. He realized this right here, this is what is, this is, uh, is the guarantor of, uh, of the, the future vitality of our country. We have this magnificent conveyor belt uh, taking, uh, you know, that goes all the way down to New Orleans. He, you know, he hadn't, he hadn't seen it yet, but he recognized immediately. And he knew what I think sometimes uh, the subsequent uh, pol uh, political leaders and elected leaders have forgotten. Um, and uh, and it, it boils down to uh, the Newton's second law, that if you can eliminate friction, you can move the world, basically. And we, we, we as, you, as Tim, as I'm sure you know, that there have been times when, uh, with the introduction of the railroads, people were convinced Oh well, uh, river, uh, you know the river industry. That's that's passe. That's that's, uh, and then uh, you know same thing when with uh, trucks and automobiles and airplanes. The there is no uh, substitute. Uh, the, you know the the one place where we have excess capacity and the one place where that that makes uh, shipping of of any bulk cargoes uh, uh, cost efficient uh, cost effective. Uh, is water and the, the inland waterways and and so the the idea and and the best example of this is, is an awkward little seagoing uh, vessel that's based in Decatur, Alabama, by the name of the Rocket Ship. It used to be called the Delta Mariner, and it is an absolute fact that to get to Mars, you have to go on the river. And I mean, they they're in Huntsville. Uh, those those rockets, those uh, those rockets and, and rocket boosters, um, uh, they're loaded onto uh, a the, as they say an ungainly little vessel with a crew of twenty eight and just wonderful wonderful guys who are amazingly skilled. Um, and uh, it starts out from there, goes up the ten tom or no, excuse me, goes up the. Uh, uh, Tennessee River uh, across Kentucky Lake and down down the Mississippi on its way to either Cape Canaveral or Vandenberg, um, and that's how we we're going to get to Mars. On but it starts out on the river. What more do you need to know? Well, gentlemen, I thank you both very much. I think that's as good a place as any to stop. Do you either of you have anything else to share? Just want to thank you very much uh, for the opportunity. Uh, we don't often get a chance to uh, 
uh, flap our gums about uh, something that we both feel uh, a passion to. So thank you very much for this opportunity, Tim. I appreciate the time, gentlemen. Talk to you all soon. This has been a production of Where You At Studios, LLC.